Amen. Well, we'd like to welcome you today to Grace Life Church. We're going to share today concerning our 2022 mission trip to Peru. We'd like to say welcome to all those watching live, to those that will get on the different platforms later to listen to the audio. Um, if you would like to learn more about our Peru mission trip, you can go to uh, this website. It's Ronald C. Ministry. That's ministry with uh, T-R-Y at the end, ronaldcministry.com, and you'll be able to see uh, trip pictures, get an explanation of what we do, uh, even though I'm going to share some of that today, but you can go there and find out. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, <clears throat> as I get started, I was listening to a podcast this morning as I was getting ready, and uh, how many of you do that sometimes? You listen, you listen to the Word while you're yep. shaving or getting ready or something? I even listen to it in the shower. I, I got a little spot in my shower where I set my phone, and I'll listen to the Word or worship music even when I'm in the shower. And I was listening to a gentleman this morning, and he was talking about you know, how we always hear this, the fact that people say, don't look behind. You know, people say, motivational speakers and everything, they say, don't ever look in the rearview mirror, just look in the windshield or look ahead because where you're going is more important than where you've been. Well, we know that's, that's, that's true, amen, that's, that's a good uh, way to think. But what this point, this gentleman was making, he said, you know, sometimes it's good to look in the rearview mirror. We don't stay there, we don't focus there, we don't settle down in what's happened in the past. But, you know, we need to look sometime and see where God has brought us from. Amen. And we need to see what God has brought us through. And we need to look back to see what Jesus did and accomplished through his death, through his burial and his resurrection. And sometimes we get so comfortable. We just, you know, we're just Christians. You know, we've been, you know, I've been saved since I was 15. So that's been a while. I'm 48. You know, but, you know, how long have you been saved? Amen. It's kind of like a pair of shoes. You know, you put on a good pair of shoes, you get comfortable in them. I finally got these boots. This first time I preached in these boots, but I had them, I got them broke in good now to where they're comfortable. You know, but sometimes we just get comfortable with our lives to the place to where we're just Christian. We just come to church. We just do our thing. We just do this live life. You know, sometimes we get so busy and things are happening and going and, and it's just kind of just the way life is. But see, we need to put ourselves in remembrance of what God has done and where we've come from. Why? Because we need to stir those things up in inside of us. So we don't settle in the past but we need to put ourselves in remembrance of what God has done. You know why? Because it reminds us of his faithfulness. Amen. Can I get an amen this morning? Amen. It reminds us of how faithful God has been. And if he did it for you then, he'll do it for you again. And we know according to his word, he's faithful. And he'll stand by, beside his word and perform his word. Amen. He watches over his word to perform it. But sometimes we just get so comfortable. And we think, well, this, no. We need to stir ourselves up. When we come in to worship the Lord, we need to stir ourselves up. We need to, how, how many of you glad you're not in, uh, you know, somewhere in the bed this morning waking up with a, with a head that feels the size of a basketball? You ever done that before? <laughs> you ever woke up and you think, man, how did I even get here? Well, see, just, just things like that. We need, we need to be thankful and rejoice that we're not who we used to be. That's right. Amen. That we've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. Hallelujah. The King of kings and the Lord of lords and the teacher of the word of God, the king of kings we know is Jesus, but the teacher, he, he was a teacher upon the earth, but now the Holy Spirit lives in us and he is the teacher. Amen. So we've got the teacher living on inside of us. Amen. We've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Trinity, the Godhead. We've been made whole and complete. He lives on inside of us. So see, we've got something to shout about. We've got something to be excited about. We are somebody. We have been qualified, glory to God by his grace and his mercy. So it doesn't matter what our mind tells us. It doesn't matter what our body tells us. It doesn't matter what, you know, somebody that calls himself a friend or what the enemy tells us. We need to put ourselves in remembrance of who we are in Christ Jesus, what, what he's done in the past and what our future looks like. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
So you can judge your future by your past. Why? Because you look back at the past and see Jesus said it was finished. So if it was finished in the past, it's finished in the future. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. So I don't want to get to preaching before we get started here. Amen. Um, I'm going to share a little background real quick about uh, what we do in Peru. We've got some slides we're going to show. Um, but real quick, I want you to turn in your, in your Bible to the book of Mark. Pastor uh, quoted it while we were laying hands on the sick. You know, and sometimes people have this question. They say, what am I, what am I here for? What am I called to do? You know, really, what are we doing? You know, you hear people say, well, I'm called to this and I'm called to that country and I'm called to, to pastor. Or I'm called to be an evangelist or I'm called to be a school teacher, whatever it is. But some people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't really feel called or I don't really feel led to do that. You know, I remember, I can't remember if it was uh, Pastor Bobby that had this or someone in the past. I remember I had one that had that little, I think we even had one one time. It was a little piece of lead. Will George had it. He, he's the first one that showed it. Uh, that, that exposed it, us to it, but it said uh, it just had lead on it or feel lead. People say, well, I don't feel lead to do that. Well, they'd hand you that piece of lead, put it in your pocket, and now you feel lead, right? Y'all get that? Y'all wait. So he, he had that little piece of lead on his desk. Somebody said, well, you know, Pastor George, I just don't, you know, I don't feel lead to, to teach those kids. You know, I don't feel lead to clean that bathroom. I don't feel lead to pick the trash up in the, in the parking lot. And he said, well, here, brother, hold this a little while and you'll feel lead. <laughs> Amen. Because there's always something to do, right? In the kingdom, there's always something to do. Amen. In fact, the leaves didn't get blown off the front this morning. I forgot about that. I usually do that. Or Brother Bill does and He wasn't able to be here today. And I came in and forgot. So there's still some leaves. I don't know. I'm, I apologize for that. They still, if you saw them when you came up, they're still out there. There's always something to do. But see, we want to be led or we want to sense some type of earth moving, earth shattering explosion of a call to say, go do this. But see, Jesus right here, how many of you know his word is the highest authority? Amen. There is no higher authority. His word is the highest authority, and I need to get there myself. Mark chapter 16, any other verse I'm going to read. And so anybody talks about missions, they always use this verse. Well, they probably do. If they don't, they should. Amen. Uh, because it's not a great suggestion. It's not a great hint. Maybe, you know, we ought to do this. It's a great commission. And I want to tell you today that we're all called to the Great Commission. Every believer, every person that's ever been born into the kingdom, we're all called to the Great Commission. It may not be on foreign soil. It may not be in a, in a, in a foreign country where you have to sleep in a, in a hut or ride on a mule or a donkey or eat some type of wild animal that you've never eaten or eat some kind of bug or like Emily's eating crickets and frogs and she ate some type of egg that had an embryo in the egg. Well, praise the Lord. I've eaten guinea pig and I've eaten llama an alpaca and, and a cankle. I ate an alpaca cankle one time. <laughs> Amen. It's real good. See, gristle has got a lot of vitamin content. <laughs> see if y'all awake this morning. But see, you may not be called to do those particular things, but you don't have to be, right? But you're still called to the Great Commission because guess what? You got somebody that lives beside you. You got somebody that lives behind you. You got a coworker at work. Amen. You've got a relative. How many of you got a relative that's not born again? Everybody has one, right? Everybody does. So that's part of the Great Commission. Amen. So we're all called, and, and Jesus gave this commission. Let's read it in the Amplified Version. It said, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach and publish openly the good news. I'm going to pause right there just a minute. The good news is what? One of them is the word, but it's, 
Simple as this is God's not mad at you anymore. God's no longer mad at you. He no longer condemns you because he sent his son Jesus to become sin. He, he didn't know sin, but he sent Jesus to become sin when he didn't know sin so that what could happen to us, according to Romans and also according to 2 Corinthians, that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through what he did, right? He, he didn't know sin, but he became sin. We didn't know righteous and we couldn't become righteous in our own works, but because he became sin, we were made the righteousness of God through Christ and in Christ. Amen. So simply put, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so we can share. How many of you know that's good news? How many know it's good news that we're not doomed to hell? Glory to God. See, that's, that's some good news. How many of you know it's good news that we have this eternal life living on the inside of us? We have this treasure hidden in an earthen vessel. How many of you know it's good news that when we have a problem, that we've got the Holy Ghost that is our guide, that he knows all things, that we can go to him and get some inside information? You see, we got, we got to realize what we really have. And we got to realize that, that, that we do have good news. And that good news is something that we can't just hold on to and keep to ourselves. But, but see, that's what the enemy wants. I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be quiet. He wants us to think we're not good enough. We don't have what it takes. What will we say? What will they think? And the whole time, Jesus is like, I've got, to, I, I, I've got to answer. I love that person. I want to help them. I want to minister to them. I want to heal their body. I want to set their mind free. I want to heal that marriage. I am the answer. Glory to God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he said, how are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? How can they preach unless they be sent? Glory to God. Amen. So you might not look at yourself today as a preacher, but we are representations of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he said, go into all the world and publish it openly. Not keep it. I was telling Kristen this morning, I heard a pastor the other day. He said, you know, Pentecostals run around the church. He said, sometimes it'd be good if they ran out of the church. <laughs> Amen. And like Brother John Osteen, Pastor John Osteen used to say, he said, you know, the, he was talking about the different denominations and the frozen chosen and different ones. And he said, you know, Pentecostals, he said, uh, I believe they're going to make it to heaven. And he paused a minute. He said, if they don't run past it, <laughs> uh -oh. they're going to get there, but they may run right on past it. And, and St. Peter had to call him back. Oh, wait, you ran past the gate. No. Amen. So this gentleman said, you know, maybe we instead of just running around in it, let's run out to where the world is, where people need help. Glory to God. So publish openly where people can hear it and see it, receive it to every creature of the whole human race. It says who he who believes, who adheres to and trusts in and relies on the gospel and him who it sets, sets forth and is baptized will be saved from, from the penalty of eternal death. See, we've got this ability in our, in our grasp. We've got the ability to save someone from eternal death. I mean, that's, that's, that's something precious. And the thing of it is, God entrusts us to do that. He believes in you enough, and he prizes you so highly that he trusts you and I with that awesome responsibility and opportunity to share that with someone else, to, to immediately change them from one kingdom to the other. Immediately deliver them from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. But see, you've got to, you got to believe that. Amen. Glory to God. So it said it'll set them free from the penalty of eternal death. But he who does not believe, who does not adhere to and trust in and rely on the gospel and in him who it sets forth will be condemned. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new languages. They will pick up serpents. And even if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. 
Glory to God. Amen. How many of you consider yourself a disciple today? A follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this tells us right here that we're called. Amen. Now, I, I want to give you the definition of the word commission. It means an instruction or command. The word commission means it's an instruction or command or a duty given to a person or a group of people. So, so what he's told us here, it's, a, it's a, an instruction or command that he's given to us, a duty that he's given to us. It says that we've been officially charged with a particular function. You know, if, if you have any employees, if you've ever ran a business or you've been in a management position, then when you give a, 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 an employee a job to do and you said, okay, I want to get X, Y, and Z done. This is your assignment and I'm charging you to do this. Well, when you do that, then what do you, you, you fully expect that they have the ability and the capacity to get that job done, right? Or you wouldn't have hired them or you wouldn't keep them around. <clears throat> I mean, if you had an employee that just constantly... You told them to do what you wouldn't need them to do or gave them an assignment. They just totally dropped the ball again and again and again, didn't get the job done, then you wouldn't keep them around. Well, see, he's given us an assignment. He said he's charged us with a particular function. And then it says that you've been authorized. The word commission again says being authorized for a task. Glory to God. So see, in the name of Jesus, we've been authorized and deputized to share this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to set people free from eternal damnation to cast out devils, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. See, what we've got to do is we've got to get out of our thinking and our mentality and our ability and start looking at who he is in us and know that we've been authorized. Amen. We've been given the power and the ability through who he is in us and just be obedient to his leading. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to read just a couple more scriptures then we're going to get into the slides, Brother Elliot. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you don't have to turn there, just, just listen to this quote for the sake of time. Verse 18 says, Christ has reconciled us to himself, and then what did he do? The rest of the verse said, he's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So you may have thought before, you know, I don't really have, I don't really have a place, I don't really have a ministry, but no, that's wrong. He's given unto everyone that's, that's a believer the ministry of reconciliation. That means we've been called to reconcile people back to Jesus. And you say, well, what if they don't accept it? You know, I've had people talk ugly to me. Well, Jesus said, man, be a good cheer. Be, be excited about that. Rejoice with great joy because he said they persecuted me. If they persecuted me, glory to God, then, then what makes you think they're not going to persecute you? Right? But he said, if, if you've been persecuted, you're in the same class as, as the master. Glory to God. And get happy about it. Rejoice. Glory to God. Because see, your job is just to deliver the message. Your job is just to present the good news. They, they have to receive it. Amen. But all Jesus asks is you just, just deliver it. Love on them so many ways, they, they have to like one of them. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And I know you have many opportunities, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we have opportunities every day to love people. Starting at home. Glory to God. Somebody, oh, just, don't look, just look straight ahead. Nobody knows. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe on the, way to, on the way to church this morning, you had an opportunity. Glory to God. Pastor Buzzy, you say hallelujah, hallelujah. Moving right along, amen. So we have this ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, that we can take someone that's out of order, hallelujah. You know, Jesus came to set things straight. And I know as a believer, sometimes we, have, we, we do. In this life, Pastor just mentioned that, in this life we will have, Jesus said that, you'll have tribulation, but he said, be of good cheer because I've already overcome them all. I've already overcome the world. So we have situations in trouble, but you know, in, I'm so glad that I'm in Christ. I'm so glad that I know 
the peace that he brings compared to what I did, what I didn't know when I was out. You see what I'm saying? When I was on the other side. Ephesians tells us that we're no longer on the outside trying to get in. We're no longer strangers and pilgrims, but we're part of his own household now. But if we get to pull up to the table and eat, wouldn't it be sad if we went to Thanksgiving and you walked in and you just, you know, you sat down at the table, man, everybody started grabbing with a big spoon and, and they get some of that sweet potato casserole, hallelujah, <laughs> sweet potato casserole and macaroni casserole with those mushrooms and those, man, that's some good stuff. I hope somebody's going to make some of that this year. If you don't, I need a recipe because I'm going to make it for myself. I like it so much. Well, see, wouldn't it be sad if we got pulled up to the table and we just had to sit there and we saw other people partake? And they're enjoying. Well, see, there's people in the world that they don't know how to partake. They don't even know. Number one, they don't even know that they're that they can partake. In fact, they think God's so mad at them because they messed up so much that they can't even come to the house, much less come up to the table. But see, that's the reason we got such good news. Glory to God. Oh, not only can you come to the house, but you can pull up to the table and not just pull up to the table, but you can partake. Glory to God. Partake of everything. Oh, everything that the father has to offer. See, we've got that ability and not just ability, but we've got that commission. Glory to God. We've been officially charged with a particular function and we've been authorized for this task to reconcile people back to Jesus and to everything that he's provided and done for them. Glory to God. Amen. I mean, that's a privilege and an honor. Amen. And so you don't have to be a full-time evangelist to do that. You can do that at work. By the way you live, by the way you talk, by the way you act. The challenges that you face when you deal with the public. See, I remember one time I was over in uh, Valley, Alabama, close to Auburn. And every time I went in this particular location, this lady was just, man, she just gave me down the road. I'd walk up to the counter and she said, this is exactly what she said. We don't need anything today. And I just walked in the front door of my business. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to restock some product in the store. And she, I just walked in the door. She said, we don't need anything today. And I'd say, well, oh, how you good? It sure, sure is good to see you today. I'm so glad to see you. Well, I tell you what, I'm just going to go ahead and clean up my displays and straighten products and things. And, and we'll just see, you know, kind of see you might need you might need something. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you, we don't we don't need anything today. And I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to go ahead and do what I said. Well, you know, just don't pay attention to me. I'm going to do, you know, so I go over there and clean up straight. Well, they needed something. They needed about half of what it sold since the last time I was there. But see, I had I had a phone number to the owner. And I could call Mr. Sam. And I'd, I'd call him up and say, Mr. Sam, this is Matt. Oh, hey, buddy, how you doing? I, I'm here at your store, and uh, we cleaned up everything. Your manager says you don't need anything, but you, you need about 25 pairs of sunglasses, and about half of your hats are sold, and it looks like this and that, and the other's gone. And I said, but you, yeah, go, go ahead and leave me about $250. It'll be fine. Just don't go over, you know, about $250. It'll be good. I said, do you need to talk to you? Man, I'm doing this all so she can hear, not in a conniving way or a spiteful way, but just she can hear. And I said, okay, do you need to talk to your manager? Oh, no, 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 just tell her I said it and it'll be okay. So she heard and I said, I closed up the phone. I said, well, Mr. Sam said that uh, he needed about $250 worth of product. I said, uh, is, that, is that okay with you? Well, you know, if, if Mr. Sam said, okay, go ahead and do it. I said, okay. So I go in, I get my products, I'm coming in. Well, during the process of me doing this, uh, restocking the store, this gentleman comes in the door, nobody in the store but the clerk, me and this gentleman that came in. And he walks up to the counter and he said, ma'am, he said, I'm not going to give you, but uh, till tomorrow at 12 o'clock to make this payment. So if you don't make this payment by tomorrow at 12 o'clock, we're going to repossess. I don't know if it's a car or whatever. 
said, we're going to have to repossess. I've already given you more chances and notices I can give. This is it. And she said, well, well, well you know, well, I, I just I just can't let that happen. What can I do? He said, well, I've given you chance after chance after chance. Nothing else can be done. She said, well, what's the minimum amount you'll take? She said, I need at least, he said, I need at least $65. And she said, well, I just don't have it. He said, I'll do whatever I can do to try to get it to you tomorrow. Well, I'm over there listening to it. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, uh, give that lady $65. <laughs> and I said, uh, <clears throat> okay. You know, and it really wasn't a struggle because I, I, I want to obey the Lord. And I, and I know that I am the light of the world and I am the salt of the earth. And, uh, and, and the sad thing of it was she was playing gospel music behind the counter. So I go out to the truck. I get $65. I come back in, uh, waited till nobody was really around. The other clerk came in and took the second shift. And this lady goes into the cooler to restock the cooler. So I walk over to the cooler. I got the $65 in my hand. I kind of opened the door and peeked. She's back there stocking the cooler. I said, I said, uh, do you mind if I talk to you just a second? She said, no, no, it's okay. So I walk in. I said, uh, I, I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yes, I am. I said, well, I noticed you, you know, you was playing gospel music and kind of thing. I figured you was a Christian. I said, but, you know, I said, well, do you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? She said, yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of him. I've heard of him. You know, she's still got it, just didn't really want me around her, you know. And I said, well, I couldn't help but understand and listen. I said, I wasn't trying to, you know, get into your business, but I couldn't help but hear that this gentleman needs $65 by tomorrow. And I said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, to give you $65 that he's thinking about you and he wants to meet this need for you and he loves you. So I pulled it out of, you know, out of my hand. I stuck it to her. She took it. Well, the whole deal changed. You know, whole attitude broke, broke away. She almost started to cry. She said, oh, you just don't know how much this means to me. You know, this $65 just means the world to me because I didn't, I didn't have it. They're going to repossess my car and didn't know what I was going to do. She went on and on and on. Well, the next time I came in, you know, she said, hey, how you doing today? You know, she didn't ask me again, you know, we, we don't need anything. We don't want anything. You know, basically, she just didn't want to do her job. You know, she just didn't want to fool with me. So she just wanted me to get out of her hair. So the reason I shared that was this is that we have opportunity all the time when our flesh wants to just let it go. And our flesh just doesn't want to fool with it. And we don't want to be inconvenienced. But see, somebody was inconvenienced for us, right? Somebody called us, somebody visited us, somebody sent a letter to us, somebody baked a cake or brought a meal or prayed in, in the times when they didn't feel like it. When we were ugly to them, we told them to get away from us. You know, leave me alone. But somebody was inconvenienced. And if you say, well, I don't really know who that is in my life. Well, I can tell you this, Jesus left heaven and he left everything that he had in heaven. And he was the first missionary. He came to the earth and laid down every side, all of, it got, all of his godly attributes Amen. All of his deity, he laid that aside and became a man and he walked this earth so he could rescue us and our souls from hell. Yes. So if nobody else wasted time on you or inconvenient, not wasted, but inconvenienced themselves and spent time on you, you can always say Jesus did. Amen. And he's the one that's most important. Amen. Because he loves you and he cares for you. So take those opportunities. Amen. Don't turn here either. Then we're, after this scripture, we're going to get into the, the pictures real quick. Matthew 9, 36, chapter 9, verse 36 through 38 said, But when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. See, compassion will cause you to become willing to be inconvenienced. Compassion. See, we have to be willing to be moved with compassion. And the more we meditate on the love that he has for us, 
the more that we understand how much he gave for us, then we'll begin to understand how he sees someone else. Instead of seeing someone that doesn't know who they are, and what I mean by that, when you look at someone they don't know, there's a gentleman, well, I don't know if it's a gentleman, but I don't know what he considers himself. I see him about every, every month on a business trip. But you know what I do? I go in and I talk to him. I go in and I'm nice. I listen. I don't treat him any different than anybody else. But he's identifying as a lady. But he's a man. But he's identifying as a lady. But if we look at those people and we turn up our noses and if we look at those people and we feel like, well, you know, they just don't deserve this or they don't look, you know, they just need to make some decisions and some choices. Well, yes, they do need to make some decisions and choices. But you're, see, we have to realize and remind ourselves that we're the light of the world. We are the answer. And if they look at the answer that is standing in front of them and that answer that's standing in front of them is turning up their nose or, or shunning them or not giving them the time of the day to even listen to what they have to say, well, they're not even going to be open to the answer. And they'll look at it as a believer, as a Christian, like the way the lot of the world does and say, well, they just, you know, they just think they're better than me. No, but see, the love of Jesus, the light of God's word, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I want to tell you right now, when you, when you share the love of Jesus with someone and you share the simple message of the truth of the gospel, that God loves them just like they are, right where they are, when you share that with them, that power of the gospel that's contained in that simple message, it'll begin to break that off of them. It'll break that hard hardness away. It'll break all that stuff away. Amen. And at least it gives us my opportunity to see something different. Amen. But if we don't share it, if we're not anything different than the rest of the world, then, then, then like uh, the scripture says, we're not going to turn there right now. But, but, but if the salt has lost its savior, then what, what, if, it's, if it's no saltiness there, then what good is it? So as a believer, if we've lost our saltiness, if we've lost our compassion, amen, then what good are we? So we have to be like Jesus and allow that compassion that Jesus has to move us to be able to minister and reach out to people. Amen. Now, real quick, uh, Elliot, we're going to leave the lights on. I think they'll show up fine. If you can start that first. Most of you know um, the background. Real quick, I'm going to just cover just a few things. Some of you may not know. Um, I started going with uh, Ronald Seed Ministries to Peru back in 2014. It was my first trip. I've been a consecutive eight years um, to Peru on the, on the mission trip that we're going to share with you today, the pictures. Um, he went back in about 14, 15 years ago by himself. He was called to go there and everybody that was on the trip that was supposed to go with him backed out. And, uh, and the Lord told him to go anyway. He said, if you don't go anyway, you're going to miss, you're going to miss me. You're going to miss out on what I'm telling you to do. So he decided to go anyway. And when he got there, there was a, I think he only had one contact. He didn't know how to speak a drop of Spanish. None, you know. So when he gets there and he meets the person on the ground, they take him to a pastor's, uh, uh, to a church, and he meets his pastor, and the pastor invites him to go on a fishing trip with him. So they go out on the Amazon, they're on a fishing trip. The president of Peru calls this particular pastor, and he says, there's babies and children that are dying in these mountains, and, and can you do anything to help us? So Pastor C, Evangelist C, is listening to this, and he hears a conversation. There was a church back in the U.S. that's told, <laughs> this is funny, but there was a church back in the U.S. that told him, that, if you, that we've got some money available, and if you find a need while you're there, that's the funny part about it. If you find a need while you're there, then call us, and then, uh, then we're going to wire this money to you and, and, and help that situation meet that need. And their heart was right, and thank God that they did it. Well, they wired the money to him. He got the money. He bought 100 blankets, and that was the first village of how this all started. He went to that village, 
with some people. They gave out 100 blankets. And he said when he gave out the 100th blanket, he looked out and there was people just aligned as far as he could see. And these people are clinching on these blankets like it was life or death. I mean, it gets down to 20 below zero sometimes there with no heat, sleeping on, you know, some of these people sleep on wooden pallets on the floor with blankets. And, that's, and, and I've, I've slept on the floor eight years in a row when I go with about six blankets on top of me. Thank God I got some wisdom. The last couple of years I brought an air mattress. Can you say hallelujah? <laughs> Amen. He laughed at me last year, a year before last, I told him I was going to do some research and find me the right mattress I could blow up with no power and not have to blow half my lungs into this mattress. So it's got a foot pump on it. In about three minutes it's pumped up. I'm laid up, boy, laid back, got me an air pillow behind me, six wool blankets on top of me. And just, you know, it's the only thing that freezes. No, amen. So that's kind of how it started. Well, in 2014, we went out to eat lunch together. Uh, it was after a church service. And I don't remember if he ministered, if it was someone else ministering, that was in 13. And uh, I hear him talking about different things going on. Well, as I'm listening to him, I'm at another table. So I walk up to him after the, sur after the meal and I said, do you mind if I go with you? Would it be a problem if I go with you or can I go? I'd like to join you. I'd like to go to help do whatever I can do. And in the same time, the Lord spoke to me through my business to help provide some of the supplies, the hats and the gloves and different things that I knew I could get or help with the financial side of it. You know, and he was, I didn't know if he'd say, well, no, I don't want you to go. I didn't know what he'd say. But no, he was excited about it. It gave me the opportunity to go. And it's just been such a blessing to us. So we went and did that. And what started out with blankets, now it covers winter hats and gloves and socks and shoes and toys for the kids. Sometimes we give sunscreen. We give out Bible literature. Uh, and most importantly, we give out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see people come to the Lord and we see bodies healed and people that have no hope and no doctor to go to and no help receive healing in their bodies and freedom for their minds. And you're going to get to see some of that. Now, we work with a group called Autech. And what Autech does is they um, train leaders of churches that are in these mountains. They don't, we don't just go out and preach and these people just wander out through the mountains. They set up, uh, start churches, help train pastors and leaders. They have seminars for husband and wives and, and families and different things to help establish the churches in the mountains. And then they, there's a language called Quechua. So when we preach, we speak in Spanish or we speak in English, then translate it to Spanish and then they sp translate from Spanish to Quechua. So when you say a sentence, you have to pause for it to go through two languages to get to the person for them to know what, you, what you're saying. And uh, so we take teams of people. I think we had 14 this past year. It consisted of pastors. It consisted of school teachers, plumbers, mechanics, ordinary people that love God and, and are heeding the call to take the gospel. And it was amazing to see God. That's one of my most favorite things is to see ordinary people that don't stand behind this pulpit go and watch the power of God flow through them and work through them. It changes their entire life. Amen. And I saw that happen. There was a pastor's wife that had never prayed for an individual to be born again before one-on-one. -on -one. She went on this trip and I asked a question in the van on the way. We, sometimes we travel nine hours to get to the first village. And, I, I, and so I stood up in the van. I said, okay, I'm going to start getting the kind of a lineup of who, who's going to do what. This first village will be there in about an hour. And I said, can I get any volunteers of, of uh, different parts of, of what we're going to do when we present the gospel, and I said, who wants to say the prayer of salvation? You know, that's usually easy, kind of comforting. You know, you know most people say, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Well, nobody raised their hand, but this pastor's wife, her hand shot up. She had never prayed for anyone to be born again, to be saved before. Her hand shot up. She was afraid. She, was, she said that the devil tried to talk her out of going, but she went anyway, and she was the first one to raise her hand. So we get to the first village, present the gospel. 
She did an amazing job through the power of God working through her, had many salvations. When she comes back to the States, they have a Bible study. The first week she gets back to the States at their home, they invited their family, their parents. Her parents came, not born again. She shared the same simple gospel that we shared in the mountains, prayed the prayer of salvation. Her parents got born again. Her parents. One week after she had never prayed with anybody in, in, in the mission field, and now her parents got born again. So, uh, so that's what happens in the mountains. So we're going to look at some pictures. We're going to have to go through them quickly because for the sake of time, um, just want to give you a little background. So they provide assistance. ATEC provides assistance, physical needs, spiritual needs. They do dental work. Some groups come in, they go out and they pull teeth and clean teeth and do different things for these people. It's, it's an amazing organization that we work with there. So let's go ahead. If you got that ready, we'll start with the first one. Um, this is just a shot of the morning. We, this is a, it's not actually that long. I think the picture kind of stretched a little bit. We got a stretch limo that we go in the mountains in. Uh, so uh, that's the shuttle van. It's got the team of 14 and we got two trucks in the front. It's got a couple of fam uh, family, where well, we are family, but a couple of team members in the front. We got our supplies, our blankets, our gloves, our shoes on the two vehicles in front on top of the van and the, the whole back end of that van is loaded down. You can go ahead and go to the next. So we're going out in the mountain. It's about five in the morning uh, when we leave. Uh, we always have communion the first day that we go out before we leave the office. Uh, this is our stop to have breakfast in the mountains. Um, we've got a cooler with our food in it for the week. Usually we stay about three days. This time we stayed four consecutive days in the mountains. Went five days without a hot bath, any bath, cold, hot, any, any type of bath. Um, so anyway, we ate our breakfast uh, there. We usually have avocado, peanut butter, some yogurts, things like that. Uh, going to the next. Uh, has I got the volume on it? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about right there. This is our. Hey, y'all do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is some sheep we, we met. We usually see all type of uh, sheep, llama, alpaca, different things as we're going. That was on the side rolling way. Go ahead and go to the next before we got to the village. Uh, this is at a village there. We usually get there, set up. We have music where we play and we dance with the kids. We speak, you know, try to go around and talk to some of the adults. I've learned a little bit of the Quechua language. Uh, then I ask them what their name is. I can tell them what my name is in Quechua and just to let them know, hey, we love you. The main thing we want them to know is we love, we, we love you. Jesus loves you. And we came here to let you know that Jesus loves you. That's our main message because people want to know why did you why did you even come here these people are in a place to where you know they don't you know you have somebody pass by your house just just traveling somewhere these people don't dennis knows he's been with us i mean you don't just travel through here because you're just going by to get somewhere you, you got to be going here because you you meant to come here so when you show up these people know that there's something different about you than why you even here and they even made a statement before they said we've heard that people in america love jesus but now we know because we showed up with supplies, we showed up with, with the gospel and the love of God, and they said, now we know that people from America really love God. So go on to the next. There's just some ladies that, that like I said, we fellowship with the people. You go on to the next. That's a little. Hola. Hola. Baby. Hola. They have these little uh, pouches Hola. on the back. They wrap them up with blankets and carry these ladies carry them on their backs sometimes till they're you know, five, six years old, I've seen kids on their back and they walk through these mountains with them. They, some of them live way up in the mountains you see back there. You'll see little trails across the mountain, these women walking across. Go to the next. 
Next. And then when we, like I said, we get there, we turn on the music. This is a associate pastor from Birmingham here. He's dancing with the, with the kids, having a good time. You can see the different team members around dancing with them, going to the next. Next. This little guy here has a real, I don't know what that is, if it's a falcon, some type of eagle, some type of bird. It's a stuffed bird on his back, and he wore it to school. Uh, they did some kind of traditional dance. Uh, a lot of times schools want to do that when we come. They want to put on a program for us, and, uh, and this is at a, at a school, and, and he, was, uh, he had one on his back there. So you can go on to the next. <laughs> Villages we go, you can just go ahead and let it play. Some of the villages we go to have uh, more than others. This one is, they, you see here, most kids have on shoes. They got on some warm clothing, but they're very poor, even at this place. They're very poor. They don't have an abundance of anything. And when the winter comes, they need more than what you see that they have on. How many be glad you got more than one pair of shoes? So uh, some of the high, higher elevations are the ones that are really, really destitute and, and poor. And going to the next. So we sing songs with a kid. This was coming in. You turn it up just a little bit. We're coming into a school here, <clears throat> and they were greeting us. <clears throat> That's some of their school uniforms that the girls have on. They're very colorful people. They still teach the uh, native Quechua languages in the schools as well as, well as Spanish. You can go into the next. <clears throat> the buenos dias. <laughs> the kids welcome us there, and then we preach the gospel. Sometimes we may have 15, 20 adults, and then the whole school will be there. Um, sometimes we may have two or three hundred. It just depends on where we go. And a lot of times we stop in places where there's not even a planned meeting, but we're going down the road and. And there's a little old lady and we'll stop and give her a blanket and then you stop and give her one and 15, 20 people come out of nowhere. Just, I, I don't know where they come from. Behind a cactus or <laughs> eucalyptus tree. I, don't, I mean, I don't know where, it's really, it's just like amazing where these people, I mean, they, some of those rocks you see in the back, uh, some of the roads we go on, <clears throat> you'll actually see a cave that's like dug up in one of those rocks and somebody lives there. <clears throat> it's just, that's how remote and, and some, so much poverty that these people live in if they don't have anything. There was one lady that was completely abandoned by her family during COVID. She was in her 80s and she told us, she said, I'm just full of depression. She said, my whole family left me. So I don't know where they went. I don't, know how, don't have anybody. I don't have a home. Don't have anybody at all that I can call on. And we prayed over. We blessed her with everything that we had to give her. Blankets, hats, I mean, everything that we could give her, prayed over. And that lady, she had the biggest grin on her face but the time we got through. We bound the spirit of depression off of her and we got her in contact with some local church people there that could reach out and help her. So going to the next. This is uh, me uh, there sharing the gospel at a village. There's people, you can't see them. They're lined all the way around a big field. Next. Same thing that we're sharing the gospel there. Next. This is a, another school where people are... Uh, that's the supplies you see lined up there, the blankets, hats, gloves. That's the Bible material, gospel material. And that suitcase is full of toys that we give out to the kids at the end. We always uh, preach the gospel first. 
pray the prayer of salvation to help people get saved, come to know the Lord, and then we give a call for healing. We're going to see some pictures of healings in just a minute. And then after that takes place, we take test, uh, healing testimonies and let people come up and testify what God did in their body. And a lot of times what happens after that happens in other people, you'll see somebody back over here pop up and they say, well, I had, you know, my left ear was closed and now I can hear. Just all kind of testimonies start coming forth and the power of God opening their their, their ears and their eyes and elbows and healing backs. And it's just God touches people's lives while we're there. And then, um, and then we give out the supplies after that. So go on to the next. Pero también nos recuerda que Dios creó a los seres humanos. Jamie, you are it, you aren't Dios rica. This is Quechua language that she's speaking. Hatakunata, Ruyantanias, pero también nos recuerda que Dios creó. The guy with that hard hat on, I don't know if you can see him on the far right corner. There's a guy with a hard hat up by that table. He was working on that building. And when we started preaching the gospel, he came out and sat down by that table and listened to the gospel presentation. Going to the next. That's a little boy here praying during the prayer of salvation. Next. This, uh, there's certain times where the presence of God, the power of God will just overtake you. And it's happened to me several times on the trip. Um, this particular time right here, uh, I looked over during the prayer of salvation. This man was down on his hands and knees uh, crying out to the Lord, crying out for help. And these, these people may not even know Never even heard it. Some of them never even heard the name of Jesus. And as we preach the gospel, he's crying out for help and crying out to God. And I found out later he had severe back, back problems. Going to the next. <clears throat> he comes up uh, for healing. You can see how hunched over he is and how much pain it is. He is. Going, we, we were able to lay hands on him. And he's straightening up. Going to the next. He's standing up even taller and stronger than the next. Uh-oh. You got to tilt your head. <laughs> Pause it just a second. I want to... This lady right here, she's going to give her testimony. She came to the school meeting. I think she was a teacher. That's reason she's got the jacket on. But when we started presenting the gospel, she came out. She said, you know, I didn't even believe in... She said, you're religion because we don't preach religion. But she said, I don't... When I first came to the, your presentation, she said, I didn't believe in your religion. And she said, I didn't even want to listen, didn't even really want to be there. But she said, she said as the prayer of faith went forward, she had ch chest pain all, all across her chest. And she said, as the prayer of faith went forward concerning my healing, she said, the pain in my chest completely left. And then she said, when that happened, she said, I believed on the name of your Lord. And she said, I received him now, and he's my Lord and Savior. This is the next day we slept in one of these schools, spent the night. This is the next day. And she came forward and uh, asked again. She said she was losing sight in one of her eyes. And she said she knew she was healed of her chest pain and she knew God would heal her eyes as well. So we were able to minister to her here. You can go ahead and go to the next for the sake of time. Uh, this is a little lady. Uh, I think it's the one on the right that the, yes, the one on the right that the girl has kind of been over. She's not very tall. Lizzie is her name. She's not tall at all, so you can imagine that lady's probably four feet. Grown woman, maybe four foot tall. She's the one that her family completely abandoned her and uh, didn't have anyone. And she's happy and smiling. The lady in the middle, she had a leg issue. She was healed and walked around in circles, almost to the point of dancing and twirling her skirt. She was so happy. And this other lady here was just happy to be there. <laughs> she, she came from nowhere, like I said, out of the mountains. 
showed up and wanted to know what was going on. So we prayed and blessed her as well. Going to the next. That's her, the, the lady that was dealing with depression. Next. Okay, th this is uh, some of the feet that we see there, and this is how they measure. They say, well, how do you know how all these kids' size shoes they need and that kind of thing? Well, we have people from iTech that go out ahead of us, and they have this guide to measure their feet. And, and this is the only shoe, if they have shoes and some of these higher elevations, this is the only time they have. They're open-toed, and they're made out of old car tires, and their feet are just terrible. I've seen this on small kids. I've seen it on ladies in their 80s and 90s with no, I saw a lady close to 90 years old one time, it's 30 degrees outside in, in the freezing rain, walking through the freezing rain with bare feet. So going to the next, just, this, this is a couple one you can click on. Here, this was a boy at one of the uh, presentations we did this year that was running around with no shoes on his feet. Next. That's another picture there. To, you can't really see, but if you could see her toes, toenails, and her ankle of how weathered and just from being out in just extreme weather conditions. I remember the first time I put shoes on somebody's feet that looked like that. We had socks, and I so just a, the compassion of Jesus that was in my heart. I so much wanted to wash that little girl's feet, but we had no way to wash them. So I had to put socks on a dirty foot that was running around. Uh, I was up on the second floor of the school buildings where we slept, and I looked down, went out the night to go to the restroom, which is wherever you can find to go at this particular place. And when I walked out, I had my flashlight, and I walked out, and there was a big cow right down at the bottom of the steps. And uh, so there was cow manure all over the ground out through there, and these kids are running around with no shoes right through it like, you know, that's just what they do. So we're down there putting shoes on their feet and socks, and I'm having to put it on these feet that have ran through all that stuff. And it just, uh, it, it changed my heart forever and really let me know what it feels like. I'm going to show you in a picture in a minute that uh, really my whole body felt like it just transformed into the, the body of Jesus. And I'm not saying I'm Jesus. I know I'm not. He lives in me. But I'm not Jesus. But I'm telling you, if you can feel and sense like you're the hands and feet of Jesus, this, this is the close that I've ever felt that way before. And I don't go by feelings, but it was a, it was a manifestation of the love of Jesus in such a way it was so strong. So going to the next, this little guy here is opening up his, he got his little hiking boots on is what we try to get him. His hat and his socks there and his uh, gloves. Next. He's happy to, to get his. <laughs> next. See, this is, this is up at some of the higher elevation here. The guy, the little kid there, he's got one shoe on his foot. The other one's somewhere. Uh, just... Extreme poverty. Next. He's got his bundle of stuff coming through. Next. Same thing. He's got his gospel literature there that's uh, written in children's, on a children's age level. Next. This is an old lady. Um, she literally is probably about four feet tall. Plus, she's hunched over some as well. But uh, these women work the fields. They carry 50, 100-pound sacks of potatoes on their back. They work the cornfields. And, I mean, they just, they're very, very hard workers. One time we were preaching the gospel at 7 o'clock in the morning. There was ice on the ground. We went inside the church. We were preaching at this one particular church doing a service. And uh, while we were in the church service, 
these ladies went out into the potato patch and built an oven. The oven wasn't even there now. They built the oven out of mud, started a fire in it, and cooked some potatoes while we were preaching. When we came out, they wanted to service these warm potatoes that they had just cooked in an oven. Next. That's her just leaving. I just want to get a shot and see how, how those blankets she's got. Those are, that's not clothing. That's, she had one, like, one dress, one skirt or whatever on, but the rest of those was wool blankets that she had wrapped around her. Next. Can you? They're, they're waving their gloves. Adios. Tupananchit Kama. Tupananchit See you later in Quechua. All right, go on to the next. All right, right here, real quick, and we don't have very much longer, and I'll, I'll finish up this morning. But right here, this was a moment that um, I don't remember the year, but I wanted to put this in here. I've shared some of it before, but this is a moment we were out in, a, in an open area, kind of up on the top of a mountain, and uh, the wind was blowing. And uh, we preached the gospel. <coughs> Hundreds of people came from out of nowhere. I don't even know where. This is one of the times we just stopped to help some people, and there was over 200 people show up. And all of a sudden, when we got ready to give out the blankets, um, there was lines. They lined them up by age group, and, and I had this particular line. This is a, a camera. I had my phone on a lanyard on my chest, and I turned the camera on just to film the video, and I took some still shots. This is one of the little girls that came up, but the looks on these child's faces and the helplessness and the hopelessness. And then <coughs> when we give them the blankets, the expression of joy. And uh, this is when I literally felt like that, I, that my hands, when I looked down at my hands, I really felt like these were the hands of Jesus giving these blankets to these kids. And Pastor C was on top of the van with a camcorder filming. And you'll hear me on, I think it's the next clip, it's a video. And I said, Pastor C, I said, this is what it's all about. I said, look at the faces on these kids. And I just started to weep and to cry. And, and it's a, like I said, it's, I actually felt like that I was Jesus himself blessing these little kids. And of course, we know what the scripture says about ministering to the least of these that we've done it unto him. So this is one of the faces. Go to the next. This is a video. I apologize. Okay. Gracias. 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 De nada. De nada. Faces there. Warm from the weather and chap. De nada. De nada. So timid. De nada. But you'll see here in a minute, there's like two or three coming up right now. De nada. This next one. Right here. De nada. Right there. Let's see. I'm about to cry, Pastor C. <laughs> you ought to see these faces on these children. See that line? Look back. And, uh, and that, changed, <laughs> that changed my heart and my compassion. And I have compassion for everyone. But um, also when I fly over those mountains, when we come in first on the plane, uh, and I'm just coming into the country and I get over the top of those mountains and it's just like I'm part, I mean, I know this is my home and I've been to other countries, but it's, uh, I just know that those people are precious to the Lord Jesus. Let's go on to the next. That's the still shot when that little girl looked at me like that with that big smile and that hugging that blanket, it just, it just did something. Yeah. 
Next. Next. They're playing with their spinners that we got, just excited to get them. Most of the time they have a, a bicycle tire that they roll down the road and play with. And one of them had just a rim, no tire on it. He'd roll it down the hill and go get it and roll it back down the hill. Uh, I played a marble game with them one night that they had some type of marbles they threw around on the ground. That's, but that's about all they have to play with. So when they get a spinner or some type of toy, man, they just, they just have a blast. Next. This is a uh, nighttime. One shot I took was about to sleep in one of the schools. Next. This is a church that I had the opportunity to preach in. These ladies came up to serenade, <laughs> to praise the Lord, and they sang a song in, in the Quechua language. actually a pretty fancy church for, I mean, the first church I preached in was made out of rocks. Had holes for windows and they had to stack rocks up in to close the windows. Some of the people there that are on our team. This guy here, he's he's happy to be on the, on the film. He waves at me in a minute. <laughs> she stuck her tongue out. No. They have something to talk about when they get home. <laughs> but uh, so they were actually singing a song. Uh, Pastor had prophesied some things about the gospel going forth, not to say any longer that it's going to take years and years and years to get the gospel out in these mountains because there's not enough workers and not enough people. When I went to preach in this church, that's what the Holy Spirit prompted me to preach. So I preached on the importance of training up people here that you've been commissioned, you've been called, that you're to take the gospel to your own people. And when these people, when these ladies sang a song, I talked to the interpreter right here beside me, Milos, Milagros, and I said, uh, what, what are they singing about? And she said, they're singing what your message said, that they were asking the people that you have the gospel in your hands, now what are you going to do about it? They were telling the congregation, the gospel's been given to you, you're born again, you're a believer, now what are you going to do with the precious gift that you have? Are you going to take it for granted, or are you going to take it to the next village? That's what they were singing to the congregation. Next. So we had an opportunity to eat a meal in uh, school. This is a team sitting around needed some well-needed nutrition and hydration. This is some of the, here to the right, that's the drivers and uh, some of the people on the team that went with us, the interpreters. That's Papa Noel. That's uh, Santa Claus in Spanish, if you didn't know. <laughs> that's Brother Bo Moody. It's such a blessing to our team and uh, such a mighty man of God and a heart. Uh, heart for Jesus and heart for people. But down in, in Peru now with his beard he's grown out, when he walks out on the street, he's an instant magnet. The kids come running to him and they look. And they say, Mama, Mama, Papa Noel, Papa Noel. And they come and they want his, their picture made with him. So he'll get down on the ground, you know, and his paw, you know, uh, pose with him and get their picture made with Papa Noel. So he's a celebrity in, in Peru now. Uh, going to the next. Okay, this is a guinea pig farm. Uh, they don't raise them for pets. They're uh, delicatessen <laughs> in Peru. And this is a little lady at village that we stayed in. This is a little lady that uh, allowed us to go in and kind of film her guinea pig farm there. Uh, 
So you get to kind of see how they raise them and that's some big ones. One that's about an eight piece there and a, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's an eight piece dark and white mixed. <laughs> they don't have the biscuit and the potato wedges with them though, I can, I can guarantee you that. All right, you can go on to the next. So just give you an idea, there's one on the platter. I just, want to, I just want to go full circle with it in case you want it. We may have one in the bag if you, if you want one today. So he's eating, looks like he's biting a tomato. He's hungry too. All right, go on to the next. This is that same house uh, straight ahead that you'll see here in a minute. That door straight ahead was the house that those guinea pigs live in. <clears throat> this one actually had a toilet, which we were very excited about. And that green door is a toilet. So these ladies were standing in line waiting to go. And I just kind of went in and filmed a little bit of the house. This particular lady was gracious enough to let us go in and use the restroom. That's their, I mean, I have to, I'm not but six foot and I have to duck to go in, into these doors, but that's their bedroom stuff up top. And then I walked back here through the, through this little open between the guinea pig house, whatever they call it, they call it cooey. Guinea pig is cooey, cooey, cooey. And then this is uh, the corn and different things that she's harvested, laid out to dry. Um, and behind her house, there's her, her hat. It's beautiful, beautiful country. I can't see up, I don't think I've, go up, I might go up to the mountain, yeah. See up in the mountains, all right, going to the next. Next. Beautiful country. Next. All right, this, pause it just a second. I'm gonna have to give you a little background on this. Um, this is a lady that, uh, usually when we leave villages, there's always someone that can't come to the meeting. They can't come down to what we're doing. It may be bedridden or whatever. And we've had amazing miracles take place when people would come and they'd say, is there any way you can come and, come and pray? Will you please come and pray for my wife, my husband, whoever, my child. So uh, again, on this trip it happened, I was actually making that video of that courtyard area and the bathroom and they'd already asked us to come pray, but those ladies had to go to the bathroom. We don't ever send any, any group without, you know, a guy or man going with them. We don't let, let them go out. So I went to escort them to the restroom. Well, in the meantime, they came to get the team. I wanted to go, but they came and got the team to go and pray. So I missed out on this particular one, but I got to hear all about it. And this particular video, this lady, was bed risen, ridden. She couldn't set up. Um, she couldn't come to the gospel presentation. So they asked us, please come pray for her. Well, they go and pray. Now go ahead and start it. This gentleman here is praying for her. And uh, they- She can't hear. She can't hear. Yeah, she can't. She's okay. very unsettled. All right. We're just gonna go ahead and, and pray. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You're just gonna go ahead and pray and release God's you see she's kind of reaching around just very unsettled about everything and then we give people opportunity to pray so you can hear evangelist C there he's come on everybody let's agree letting him yes. have an opportunity to pray while they pray thank you Lord peace speak peace over well go ahead and uh, you can't fast forward can you on that video can you go go forward just a little bit close to the end all right stop stop right there 
That wasn't very far. She started. Maybe she's just moving her hands. She starts grabbing the hold of the translator. And she starts mumbling different things. And uh, see this. She's not doing it because she wants to pray for him. I'm going to tell you why she's doing all this. She's pulling out her shirt, different things later. When she gets down to try to hear what she's saying, you can go ahead and go to the next. And uh, what happened was they prayed, the, the, the young man there that was praying, the group was praying for, but nothing seemed to really change. Nothing really seemed to be any different. So they got up, blessed the family, and they were getting ready to leave. Well, they get over to the door, and uh, Pastor Larry Raglan, uh, he goes about every other year on the trip with us, and he was there in the home. So he just asked Milos, the interpreter, he said, what was she saying? Could you tell what she was saying? <clears throat> and she said, yes, I could, I could understand very clearly. She was saying, get away from me. She was saying, quit bothering me, get away from me, leave me alone, quit, quit messing with me, get away from me, leave me alone, quit bothering me. And she was grabbing at, at, her, at her clothes, and when she would try to list her, she'd grab at her clothes and like pull on her and jerk on her. And, uh, and Milos said, she has a devil. And uh, Pastor Larry said, wait a minute now, dude, what, what did you say? Said, she has a devil, she's possessed with a devil. And they were on their way out. And he said, oh, wait, 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 wait. He said, wait just a minute. He said, we're going back in there. <laughs> he said, we're going back. So they went back in. And they cast the devil out of the woman. And she was doing all kind of pulling and jerking at him and wanting to leave him alone and everything, you know. They, cast, they took authority over that demon and cast it out. And when they got through, this is the picture afterwards. She's sitting up, uh, wasn't even able really to raise up. Her loved one couldn't even really get close to her. She's over there consoling her, talking to her. She's not pulling, scratching anymore, acting crazy. Going to the next one. And... Uh, there, there, she's even got a smile on her face. And they said when they left, she was at total peace and delivered, set free, received the Lord Jesus and, um, and the whole family. I mean, you, you know, they don't have much furniture to be rough on, you know. <laughs> they talk about them uh, ripping it, biting the furniture. <laughs> but could you imagine living in the same one-room house with a relative that's possessed with the devil? So they got set free. The gospel of the kingdom came and was manifested in their midst, and that's what we carry with us everywhere we go. Yeah. Next. This was a testimony I know a lot of you have heard. We were in we were another situation where we were invited to come to a home a couple years ago. Uh, we were out on our way out of the village. I actually had a GoPro camera on my chest that's filming this, and uh, this lady could not see. She told me, Lois, that uh, she had been on some medication and completely lost her vision, and uh, we commanded her eyes to be open. Both of us had laid hands on her, and uh, when, she opened, when we stopped praying, she looked down at the floor and she rolled her head around like this. She rolled her head around and she looked up at the light and she pointed toward the light and she told me last that she said, I can see the light. And this is uh, Pastor C here, he's holding up his fingers. He actually walked all the way back to the doors about 15 feet holding up different numbers. And she could tell the interpreter every time what number he was holding up. So she, her sight was restored. She's on a dirt floor with uh, mud, Adobe type walls, that's what she lived in there. Next. Just a small hole. <laughs> He's making a joke. You can't hardly see that. That's a salt mine. Down in the, in the valley. All that you see that's uh, white looking, that's uh, individual little salt mines. This is just some free time that we have on, at, toward the end of the trip. The uh, streams come out of the mountains and they run down into all these little individual pools. Did you go with us that time? Did we go to salt mine when you went with us, brother? And, uh, but each family 
has a, they own a salt mine. It's like it's deeded through their family and they possess this salt mine and it's theirs. They take care of it and they harvest salt out, <clears throat> harvest salt out of it and they go sell it. So we got to go see that. Next. Then we get to go to uh, Machu Picchu. I want to show you a couple pictures of that just to see how beautiful it is. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. Um, this is a train ride. It's about an hour and a half train ride out to get there. Next. This is some ladies there that, that are trying to sell blankets and they show you how they make the dye out of the red and black and, and different colors that they put in their blankets. They make it all out of natural plants and bugs and different insects. Next. This is, we had to split up in groups. This was one of the groups I was with. And that's Machu Picchu you see in the background is the ancient Inca Indian civilization. Next. Just a couple shots I want to share with you that I got. This one is uh, one of my favorites. It's the, the way the land's terraced down. They used to grow crops, potatoes, and corn, everything on these ledges. And I'd hate to stumble and fall down because you would go to the river real quick down that you can't see it in the bottom. <laughs> Next. <laughs> That's, uh, I actually got to pet that uh, alpaca. <laughs> yeah, he's got some cankles there. They're kind of grisly, but they'll sustain you until we get to the next place to eat. And that's one of my favorite shots there. That's a kind of an overview of that mountain, that uh, kind of the one that comes up to the point there in the back, not the far mountains, but the one in the middle. That's called Wanapichu. The one with the, the houses and the community that they built on it is Machu Picchu. You can actually sign up to go to the top of Wanapichu. You can hike up there but it's a two-month waiting list just to be able to go to the top of Wanapichu. Uh, there's people from all over the world uh, that go to this place every year. Next. So this Papa Noel, we get to eat at one of our favorite restaurants. That's a uh, Trace Leche cake that he eats about, he ate three slices of Trace Leche cake. Bo, if you see this, you have to forgive me, but he, he ate three slices at one setting of that Trace Leche because the only time he eats is when he goes to Peru. He's actually got some of it. You can't tell on here, but he's got it in his beard there and mustache. And we eat some chicken. You can see how he put a hurt on that chicken. That's uh, pollo a la brasa. That's what that's called. Next. And this was a real treat. We're all, we've only got like three or four more slides, I think, left. This was a real treat. We actually got to go after we went on our little fun trip, free, free time. We went to an orphanage. And uh, that I've never been able to go to. And these are children that have been completely abandoned. Um, all kinds of stories that we heard. And they bring these children in, they raise them, they love on them, and they find homes for them and get them placed into a good home. And it's amazing what they have to go through in the government. Uh, stipulations and things they have to go through just to keep these children from being, they try to put them with relatives, but what happens a lot of times is relatives don't want them. And they get into a home where they're abused all kind of different ways to the place to where the, the relatives just, I mean, they don't, they don't even want them. So the government just kind of throws them off on them and they wind up just living on the streets and it's, it's terrible what happens to them. So this, this place takes them in, loves on them. We got to hold some and love on them. Go on to the next. This is uh, that same little baby. After we went inside, they laid her down in the bed there. I took a picture of her next. Pause this real quick. This, uh, uh, I don't know that this is a girl, so I'm not going to say this is her, but I'll tell you a story and you can interpret how you want to. There was a baby that was born in their mother's pant leg. 
and she was about, uh, she walked about two miles. She was on a bus, and she knew she was going into labor, and she actually had the baby inside of her pant leg. She walked two miles to the closest clinic, and she goes inside the clinic, and the doctor helps her the best he can. They take the baby, and the doctor thought the baby was already dead. They took the baby and laid it up on the scale just to get the weight to be able to sign a death certificate and say this is how much this baby weighed and so forth. Well, when the, when the doctor turned around after she weighed the baby, the doctor turned around and the girl was gone. The lady left, ran out and left, and um, they had no sign, didn't know, they didn't get the mother's name to start with anything, they didn't know how to contact anybody, no family, nothing, it was just this baby. And they thought it was dead. All of a sudden, the baby on that scale started coughing and, and moving around, and they immediately took it to the emergency room that they had available and kept the baby alive. And they didn't say this was her, and I don't know this was her, but they said that she is here today and she's our feisty one, and she's a fighter. And she had to fight from what she went through from being born in the mother's pant leg to being given up for dead. Um, two miles walking with that baby being connected to the umbilical cord, and uh, she made it, she's a fighter. Now, you, you, after you watch this video, you can interpret if you think this is her or not, go ahead. Hola. Hola. No, no, no. No, 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 no. It's okay. What am I supposed to do? Okay. It's okay. She like pushed him down. <laughs> she threw him down and kept trying to get him away from me. You know, I was trying to play with all of them. But anyway, going to the next. So that, that, that's my interpretation that that's her because she's definitely a, a fighter. Is that it? That's it? Okay. Well, glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want you to, each and every one of you to know in this church, know how thankful I am for it. I know uh, Reverend C is, Evangelist C is so thankful for what you do and what you sow into it. But I want you to know that, that I am as well. Thank you for your prayers when we go for sowing. But I just wanted to encourage you for what we talked about at the beginning, that we have this precious treasure hidden in an earthen vessel. Amen. Um, and we have that opportunity every day that when we go to share the good news that we have, to share it with someone else. Um, and I'm gonna leave you with this real quick this morning. There was a uh, tweet that I read the other day on, on, of course it was on Twitter. Uh, but I wanna read it to you real quick. I think I've got it right here. Let me find them. Or I can just tell, I'll just tell it to you. So I don't. I'll just read it to you. Here it is. Um, this pastor said this. He, it, he, he tweeted this out. It says, what if Christians became widely known as the first and most thorough responders whenever a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, or a stranger experiences tragedy. Yeah. What he's talking about is being a first responder. You know, we've got first responders in the world, people that drive, you know, ambulance EMTs, ambulance drivers, police, firemen, different ones that are in that, uh, that occupation that are the first ones to get to the scene. Mr. Clinton knows what I'm talking about. He did that a lot, where he was the first one to get to a scene or involved in someone that was in an accident or something, and he knew that it was so important, vitally important, what happened in those first few minutes when you were on that scene. And this pastor said this, said, what if the church became uh, 
First and foremost, thorough responders whenever a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, or a stranger experiences tragedy, such as a divorce, an unemployment, a diagnosis, a loved one's death, or a rebellious child. And then he said this, he said, what if we try to do that? What if we try to live up to that, to be a thorough responder, amen? So we've been called, and you know everyone in here, we know we've been qualified, because Jesus qualified us, and we've been equipped, amen? And we've been taught well here, so. I just want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to share about the trip, but I just wanted to stir you up uh, to let you know how important you are to God, to Jesus. Drop my birthday card. How important you are to Jesus. And for those of you, are we still on Facebook? Are we done? <clears throat> for those of you watching <clears throat> as well, whatever influence you have, wherever you work, wherever you go to church, whatever community you live in, I encourage you today to share the good news of the gospel. Be the light of the world in that place where you have influence, the salt of the, of, of the earth, and, and let Jesus shine through you. Share the love of God with somebody. Be the difference that changes the destiny of someone else by allowing their destiny to be changed from the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We love each and every one of you, and you're dismissed.